I'm excited about this word I want to share with you today and uh, for the next three weeks, this week and the next couple of weeks, uh, I want to share a word with you. Um, and uh, it's, it's talking about, if you want to title this, I've got it, Unlocking the Mystery. Unlocking the Mystery. And we'll start in John 16. Uh, but also notice, uh, of, uh, praise God, Jesse's been able to visit with us the last couple of weeks. And she's going to be leaving next Sunday after church. But next Saturday, uh, we're going to do, there's a baby shower for her right here at the church. Family and church family. So for Jesse and Skyler and Cohen James, you can look in your bulletin. I believe it's 10 o'clock here at the church. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 16. John 16, and we're going to start in verse 12. <coughs> Hallelujah. Jesus says here, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. Jesus had been talking to his disciples and leading and, and, and guiding them for three years, and he's about to go to the cross. And he's telling them, I got a whole lot more to tell you, but you can't quite handle it right now. There's much deeper things than what you've, you've seen me, you've walked with me, you've seen me heal the sick, you've seen me preach to the poor, you've seen me rebuke the religious on the steps of the temple. But I've got much more to show you, but you, can't, you guys can't quite handle it yet. And that's something. Amen. He's about to go to the cross. And there's a whole lot more he needs to get into them. And he's going to the cross. We say, y'all can't handle what I got to tell you. It's, it's deep. So many times new Christians, you know, we come to understand the basics of Christianity, the central message of Christianity, the death, burial, and resurrection. And we believe in that and we get saved. But that's only the beginning. I want to tell you, Jesus got much more to tell you. It goes much deeper than that. What does our salvation mean? Hallelujah. What does it do for us? What does it entail? What's everything that's, that's inside of it? You see, the, the four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, shared a word of what they saw and what they heard. A live testimony of, of them looking and watching and being with Jesus. And they saw him preach the gospel. They heard the words. They repeated the words he said in their Gospels that they wrote. They saw him raise the dead. They saw these things, what they could physically see with their eyes, touch with their hands. They heard it, but yet they didn't really understand what they were seeing and feeling with their eyes and their ears. See, the Gospels is like a picture of what Christ did, an outward picture that you can see. But Paul and his letters he wrote is like an x-ray of the Gospel looking at inside of what it accomplished. Amen. It goes so much deeper than what you can just see and feel on the outside. Okay? The gospel's the picture. Paul's writings, the x-ray, goes much deeper. I've got much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But then he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will take what you saw and you heard. 
And he will take the, the writings of the prophets in the law. He will begin to expound on it and show you through different ones that's going to be following him in writing. And he was talking about Paul's coming. And I'm showing him. He, the reason he had him, he was a teacher of the law. One of the wisest teachers understood it all, but didn't know what it meant. And when Jesus Christ met him on the road... And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything he understood from the old covenant began to unfold and made alive of that it's all about Christ. As the Holy Spirit in us teaches you as Christians. See, the salvation of, of what he's done for you begins to unfold. It opens up more and more. It's already in there, church. When you're born again, the Spirit of the Lord is in you and everything He has purchased for you, everything He has done for you, the kingdom of God is inside of you, but it's hard for our little brains to get it. And it's, it's an unfolding revelation. Go with me to 1 Corinthians now from John. 1 Corinthians so the title of this series, the next three, three weeks, Unlocking the Mystery. And the first one, just showing us that it's more than we can bear. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Open your Bibles there or look it up on your phone, however you want to do it. I encourage the saints to carry that word with them. Not just to hear it, but to look at it, to underline it, to go back through it, to read it again. 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, praise the Lord, verse 1. He says, brothers, now Paul's writing a letter to a church that's been planted in Corinth. Paul went and planted that church, just like churches are being planted in India. Uh, many of these Hindus that grew up in that culture and that religion are going to hear the gospel, some of them for the first time. They're going to awaken to the truth. Some of them, by the Spirit of the Lord drawing them, are going to believe what they hear, and they're going to receive it. And all of this glory is inside of them. But man, it's going to take some time to renew their mind to understand the truth of what's happened on the inside. Amen? Just like it takes us some time as a believer to unpackage all the things that come with our salvation. Brothers, he says, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly, he's writing to the Corinthians, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. There it is again. Jesus walked with these guys three years and said, look, I've got so much more to say, but you can't handle it yet. Now Paul's writing to these new Christians. I've got a whole lot more to tell you, but you're not quite ready. I'm giving you some baby food about Christianity. I'm giving you some little instructions about some things. But man, there's so much more to get into as it unfolds. As you seek, you'll find. As you knock, the door shall be open. As you want to know, I'll pour it out what's already in you. It's amazing. Hallelujah. I, wanna, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, he says, you are still not ready, for you're still worldly. There's still je jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Acting like mere men? He says you're acting like mere men, and you don't realize you're not just mere men. Wow. You're acting like mere men of the people of the world. But you don't even know that you're really not. You see, when you were born again, church, you were made a new creation. A new creature. 
We don't fully know what type of creature you've been made. Old things passed away, all things made. When you were born again, you were made into a new type of creation that the world didn't understand. See, now you're, praise the Lord, like him. You were buried with him. You were risen with him. And you're joined with him. Church, don't you know that he who has received Christ have joined him by the Spirit? I want you to think about this. As I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit's going to speak this into your heart. You're going to meditate on this word. And the unfolding revelation of what all has been happening is going to go deeper in your heart today. Because I'm praying, and this prayer is a good prayer for us to pray for every service. The prayer from Ephesians chapter 1, that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, the eyes of our heart, to understand, to know the depths of what he's done for us. We pray in Lord God, but give us the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding that the eyes of our spirit, the eyes of our heart be awakened to understand what all you've done in us. Hallelujah. Amen. So many times we just hear the the milk of the word. We just hear salvation and don't fully open it and see what all's there. I'm telling you, the gospels show the picture, but it's in Paul's letters and, and what he has done, what God has shown him, opens up the truth of it all. Not ready for me. Let's go back with me to John 16 where we started. John 16, we looked at 12 through 14. Now let's look at verse 25. John 16, 25. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming where I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. Now he's about, to, he's about to die on the cross. He's been using a bunch of parables. He's been explaining the kingdom. And sometimes he's been teaching in parables and they're saying, why do you teach in parables? He says it's because it's for you by the Spirit that's going to open up these parables and cause you to understand it's for the, the world's not going to know. See, these things are spiritually discerned. The world can't understand the things of God. Until you're born again and have the Spirit in you and want to know, will the Spirit of the Lord open up the things of God inside of you? And the world can't even understand it. Amen? But God is saying, hey, I want to show you. I want to reveal myself. I want to unlock the mystery of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, praise the Lord. I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask my Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Now they're starting to get that. Okay, now you're, playing, you're saying clearly, at least we know now you came and now you're going. So they're, they're starting to get that much. But he had so much more he wanted to share with them. After he leaves. And after he leaves, he's going to reveal what all he did and who all he is by the spirit of him who's going to live inside of them now. And the unfolding of Jesus will be continual unfolding. Praise the Lord. 
Flip with me from John back a few pages to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4, verse 33. Praise the Lord. He says here, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. So he was constantly sharing deep things and explaining. But even at the time he's leaving, he's telling them, I've got so much more to tell you that you can't quite handle yet. There's so much more to this salvation, to this Christ, to who you are. Praise God. Now turn with me to Romans. Romans chapter 1. Let's look at verse 16 of Romans. Romans 1.16. Familiar verse. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Everybody say gospel. gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It, the gospel, is the power of God. What is the word gospel? The gospel we know means good news, actually translated glad tidings. I want to tell you, when you know and understand the gospel, church, it'll make you glad. When you receive the revelation of the good news, the glad tidings of the gospel, it will make you glad. You can't help but get glad when you see the gospel for all what it is and, and we get, hey, we get more and more glad as it unfolds. The revelation of who Christ is. For the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power. You know, many, many saints think, you know, oh Lord, we need more power. No, you don't. You need more gospel. The gospel is the power. What he's done, he's done once and for all, for all of you, and the kingdom is inside of you, so you need more good news explaining what you already have. You don't need more power. The gospel is the power. And as the gospel unfolds in you, as the good news unfolds in you, you'll walk in all the power that he has, hallelujah, because when he was raised, you were risen with him. It's our identification with him as one with him. That's the power of God. That is the gospel, the good news. We were separated from God. And sin caused that separation, but God made us alive by our faith in Christ, and now we have joined him. Church, what I'm trying to tell you is everything Jesus is and everything Jesus has done, he did it for you, but not only for you, you did it in him because you are with him by your faith. Yeah. It's amazing gospel. We were all dead in our sin because we partook of the sin of Adam and we were in Adam. But when you believed in Christ, you were supernaturally by the power of the God made alive in God by Jesus Christ. And you are now in Christ. So when he died, you died. 
When he was buried, your old nature was buried. When he was risen, you were risen. And everything Christ has with God, everything he is, you are also because you have been joined to him. That is the gospel. It's not that we need more power. We need more unfolding of the gospel. That is the power. The truth is the power. It's the truth that sets us free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I'm talking about the big word salvation, all of it. Salvation does not just mean you barely escape hell and you barely make it into heaven. He didn't die on the cross for you to barely make it. He defeated the enemy on the enemy's home turf. Let me tell you something. The, the kingdom of the world, you know, Satan deceived and tried to and took over for a while. But praise God, Jesus won it back. And when Jesus won it back, hey, the things he did outwardly in the Gospels, he healed the sick. Okay, the demonic realm from the fall causing sickness and disease and death. Jesus took care of that. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the lies and the false doctrines in the, in the Old Testament um, uh, uh, trying to be righteous by the law. He rebuked the Pharisees and he showed them the true meaning of the law. And he showed them that and he began to teach. So he did things outwardly and he showed that. But I want to tell you, in his death, he didn't deal with the outward stuff. He went down to the home turf of Satan himself. He kicked Satan's butt. He defeated death, hell, and the grave on the home ground of Satan himself. And then he rose victorious over death and conquered it all. Amen? And when he rose, the Bible says, you rose victorious over sickness, disease, death, and the grave, and every sin. You rose with him and are in him, and you are seated in heavenly places with him in the spirit realm. And when we can see and understand in the eyes of our heart be enlightened to the truth of the gospel, hallelujah, and we know who we are in Christ, that's when we can walk out who we are. It comes with revelation. The power comes with revelation of the gospel. The gospel is the power. And as it unfolds, it gets better and better. And I get gladder and gladder. (laughs) Makes you want to smile. Get happier and happier. I've been walking this thing out for 30 years, brother. And it just keeps unfolding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Add some milk, add some meat, go further and further in the Lord. It's unfolding. Makes you want to smile. Show your teeth. You know? Show all your teeth. Praise the Lord. Makes you happy. You know, in Arkansas, it makes you happy. Want to show your tooth. I heard, I heard Mark Hankins say, it must have been Arkansas that invented the toothbrush. Because if it was invented anywhere else, it would have been called a teeth brush. I don't know. Maybe he has something against the Razorbacks. I don't know. But this gospel will make you happy. When you see that we were separated from the life of God and separated from salvation and being right with God and all the religions trying to 
earn their way and work their way and step their way through and never good enough and always trying and always falling. When we see the clear gospel that Jesus became our sin, that he died and he rose above it, and we who believe in him have been made right with God once and for all by what he did, when we see that and the weight falls off of us and we're saved and now his spirit lives in us and we know we can walk and talk with God the creator and have a blessed life because he's in us hallelujah we get happy and then when the gospel unfolds it gets better and better you know they say psychologists say all addictions based on shame all addictions rooted in shame guilt condemnation and when you get this gospel in you that's why fresh start works so well when you get this gospel in, in you and you realize that the shame has been taken away from you and put on Christ and he bore our shame that you might have his freedom. Hallelujah. When you see it, hallelujah, that's what will set you free. The truth of the gospel sets you free. The gospel is the power. You don't need more steps, more this, more that. You just need the word opened up to you so you can receive the word, be born again, and start walking out who you really are in Christ Jesus. It's this gospel where the power is. Hallelujah. Romans 1, verse 17 says, For in the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness... You're made right again. That comes from God, not from man, not from us, not from anything you do. You're made right from God, not from you. Hallelujah. From in this gospel, this good news, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, not by works, by faith in the risen Savior Christ. That's what makes you right. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith. Praise God. The gospel, the power of salvation, it's, it's bigger. It's, it's our deliverance. It's our healing, our salvation, our prosperity, our soundness, our freedom, our preservation, our restoration. It entails the whole picture. Used to, used to, how did the, the word evangelism, we're going to, they're going to do evangelism in some of these new village. Where does that word come from? The word evangel Evangel. An evangel was a guy who would check out the battle and come running back with the good news from the battlefield. You know, he would see, hey, our team's winning, man. We're destroying. We're taking. He'd run back and report. The evangel would come bringing back good news from the battlefield. Let me tell you something. Evangelism. I got, I'm a, I got some good news from the battlefield. I got good news from the battlefield. We won. Jesus won for us. He won the victory. He conquered the enemy. And everything that was against you, Jesus has already conquered. And he's given you his victory. Now it's your victory. The evangel. Good news from the battlefield. We're bringing it home. We want to spread the good news around the world. Hallelujah. I'm so glad it's not religion we're trying to spread. I'm not going to tell people they got to join our group or do our thing or be like us or wear our clothes. That's sick and wrong. I'm telling people Jesus Christ has the victory for you. Receive him. Amen. Praise God and go to church where he leads you and follow him as the spirit of the Lord's leading you. The dress thing is just a cultural thing. 
Rachel told me on the phone this morning, you know, they wanted her. You know, we, we mix with the culture while we're there, so we won't offend anybody. Paul said, become all things to all people that you might win some, right? So in love, we do that, okay? If uh, some of those shorts and t-shirts our girls wear around here wouldn't fly in India church this morning. So they, her and Annalise, they wore something long that went all the way to the ankles and covered up their shoulders. But you know what she told me? She said, in India, all those ladies sitting there with brightly colored dresses and they had stuff over their head and all the way down, their stomachs were bare. <laughs> it's just a cultural thing. That's not holiness, okay? So if I, hey, they, they bare their stomachs. The Muslim women cover head to toe trying to be all modest, but they'll paint that one toe sticking out as best they can. <laughs> huh? Oh, she's going to buy one of those, wear it to church. Will y'all be offended if Rachel wears an Indian dress here and her belly's exposed? Different people have different hang-ups, but it's not about that. It's about believing in Christ. Hallelujah. Never forget walking through a mall in Dubai, seeing all these burkas from head to toe, cover every little thing. The only thing sticking out on the women was their eye and their toe. And both of them were, were painted up as best they could. <laughs> Funny. The kingdom of heaven is not about meat and drink. It's not about your religious rules of what you can eat, what you don't eat, what you wear, what you do. The kingdom of heaven is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, being joined one with Christ by what he did. That's what it's about. Yeah. Hallelujah. Y'all don't like that? I know you like that. Some of y'all wearing your shorts today, huh? It's hot out there. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3. Let's look at some more things that, about what Paul understood before they all did. How did he understand it before they all did? He was filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus met him personally. And then he went and got filled with the Spirit and had an assignment to take this message to even the Gentiles. Hallelujah. So 2 Peter chapter 3, toward the end... Peter's writing this, and this is what he says about Paul. Verse 15. He says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. Verse ten, uh, 16. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things which are hard to understand, Peter's writing, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures. But Paul's saying, look, Peter's saying, hey, this guy writes some deep things that you can't quite get yet. But as you follow the Holy Spirit, he'll reveal it to you because it goes much deeper and it keeps on getting deeper. Okay, And what are these deep things of God that he's trying? What is the, he calls it the mystery. Many times Paul's writing, he calls it the mystery. Go with me to Ephesians. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 6. Okay? Y'all got your, some, some Bibles there? Let me, let's hear them flipping. Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to open up your eyes of understanding and see it and see it for yourself. Praise God. Ephesians 3. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says in this, looking at verse 15. 
from whom the whole family in heaven derives its name. The glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power of his spirit on your inner being. So the, the Lord is strengthening you with the power in your inner being. Now go back to verse 1 in Ephesians 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. There was a mystery hidden from all the ages made known to Paul by revelation. And then he goes on and tells us simply what the mystery is. That this good news is not just for the natural descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're not only going to be the God's covenant people. He's going to open up salvation from, through Jesus Christ to the whole world. And then ultimately, he tells us later in Colossians church that the mystery is going to be Christ in you. Right. The hope of glory. Now, now, church, I believe in this church and many new covenant grace churches... That mystery is being opened up to us more and more because we're getting a lot of happy Christians out there that loves to go to mission trips and loves to go to the prison and loves to take in the sinner. We're not afraid to take in uh, the sinner, the drug addict, whatever, because we believe in the power of the gospel. We, we know what we got works. We know him and he's alive. So we're not afraid to go into India or go into the prison or go into the attic. And when they stumble and struggle, we just keep preaching the word because we believe in the power of the gospel because the gospel is the power to change your life. So as we continue opening up the gospel to you, as you want to and seek it, when, when you have a heart to want to know and it touches you, that's the power to change your life. Amen. The gospel is the power of God. Hallelujah. So we, we begin to share it. So Paul understood this mystery before any of them. And he writes these things. I'm telling you, you want to you know who we are in Christ? Hey, we understand the Gospels. We see Jesus. And then we read the rest of the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit takes those deep things that Jesus said you can't understand yet. And he starts opening up to you. And as you come to classes and you get together and you hear our, our, our gifted teachers by the Holy Spirit teach, uh, Jeff and Tyler and Matt and these others, and they're getting together and y'all are looking and reading and studying and it unfolds to you and you grow in this knowledge and you grow. Then the revelation of Christ that he's saying, hey, I've got more to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Now you can bear it by the Holy Spirit showing it to you as you get together and seek. Amen. But if you, don't, if you don't care enough about it, you won't know. There's a whole bunch of Christians out there that aren't living the victory because they haven't stepped into the unfolding of what it's all there. It's your choice. You can choose to keep on having it revealed and keep walking in it. Or you can say, well, I just slip on church every now and then on Sunday and, you know, say I'm a Christian, you know but I don't want to really be a part of it. I don't want to get together with a small group and study. I don't want to give to it. I don't want to do anything. I just want to slip in every now and then and so some angel can check me off that I'm saved. Dude, you're missing out. Now, Jeremiah sparked the rest of this message on what all you're missing out when he shared on Wednesday night. Wow. We don't want to be missing out. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to camp here for just a little while. <clears throat> what an example from Israel's history is 1 Corinthians 10. 
as Jeremiah shared on Wednesday. Everybody okay? You, you, you got your, I know your spirit, those of you who are born again, your spirit is alive. If you're not born again yet, your spirit's dead. But by hearing the word, the spirit, the spirit of the Lord is touching your spirit and could cause it to be alive. You just have to believe. You just have to believe it. And say, yes, I want to know this Jesus. I want to receive him. I want this new life. Lord Jesus, save me. I recognize I'm in sin, but I need to be saved. I need you. Save me. Be my savior. He'll join. He'll make a way to join with your spirit and cause your spirit to become alive to God. And then you can start understanding this stuff. Without the spirit living in you, you can't understand what I'm saying now. These things are spiritually discerned. Amen? But if you're hungry and you're wanting to know, he's starting to show you Christ. And as you grow in that, you can receive Christ. Then you can have and start to know these things I'm talking about. Because the Holy Spirit in you will begin to reveal it to you. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And he takes a short part of chapter 10. And he explains a bunch of stuff that Israel, back in the Old Testament, went through. He gives a little summary of some of their time in the wilderness. And he tells you the problems that they had. But he writes it for us today as an example. Don't do what they did. So let's look at what he said. Because this applies to us, right? So we're not just going through the motions of church. You're here today hearing and learning the things that's going to apply to our life. Amen? So he says this. 1 Corinthians 10.1 <clears throat> For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses, into the cloud and into the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank from the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Dude, <laughs> you want me to tell you how many of them their God was not pleased with and scattered their bodies in the desert? Let me tell you something about Old Testament law and religion. It, it ain't worth a flip. It don't work. Two million people, roughly, some say it's more than that, came out of Egypt. Two million people were under the cloud. I went back and looked it up and read it. You know what it's talking about? God showed up like a cloud of glory and they followed the cloud. Cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They followed the cloud and followed the fire. God was with them. God showed himself strong <clears throat> When in Egypt, he sent 10 different plagues and then, you know, and then he finally, Pharaoh let the people go and then he hardened Pharaoh's heart to come after them to show his glory. They passed through the Red Sea. God opened up the Red Sea, put a pillar of fire to stop the Egyptians for a while. They made it across and then the Egyptians came in and then he covered them with it. It's kind of their bondage. They were in bondage of sin, addiction, struggle for 400 years. And God has, by his mighty arm and through his mercy, God led them out of bondage on the way to the promised land. 
Amen? So they all were under the cloud. They were all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses. Watch this. Moses went into the sea and came out of the sea. Jesus went into death and came out of the death. They were baptized into Moses. They went through the sea with him. Hello? So they, they all ate from the same spiritual food. What's it talking about? We'll read the story in Exodus. Every day for 40 years in the desert, they were in a desert. God had to feed 2 million people in a desert. Anybody, you know, own a business and practical thinking of how that would work? Do you know you'd have to have a train built and running into that desert with many, many rail cars of food and water and supplies to feed two million people in a desert for a week? But God fed them every day for 40 years. He didn't do it with a rail car or a drop in. He rained bread from heaven down every day. Okay? They ate the spiritual food. Why does Paul call it spiritual food? Because bread from heaven, that was a picture and type of what was coming Jesus Christ. Jesus in John 6 said, hey, I am the bread from heaven. The Pharisees were asking him, hey, our fathers ate manna in the desert. You do a miracle, so we'll believe you. Jesus said, I am the bread that came from heaven. The bread they were eating, that was me. I am the life that comes from heaven. To whoever eats me will live forever. They ate it as a physical thing and they died in the wilderness. Whoever eats the spiritual food of my, my flesh and my blood, they will live forever. He said, I am that bread. So they ate of the spiritual food and they drank from the spiritual rock. What rock? Well, man, they had to drink for two million people and their cattle and their sheep. And they're in a desert, no water, get it? So God said, Moses... Go to where the camp is, and there's a big rock there. I want you to strike the rock. And when he did, it opened up and water came out, made a river, and they all drank. Guess what? They stayed at that camp for a few months, okay, sometimes a year. When the cloud lifted and the fire went, they followed the cloud, and they went to another place. Guess what they did when they needed to eat? The manna came down. Guess what they did when they needed to drink? The rock followed them. The Bible says the rock followed them and opened up and water came out. God told Moses when they were complaining again, I want you to go speak to the rock this time. And you know what Moses did? He was angry at the people for murmuring and complaining and he struck the rock again. God said, you messed up, buddy. I told you to honor me before the people and do it as I say. You see, Jesus Christ, the Bible says right here we just read, the rock that followed him, them, was Christ. In the desert, a thousand years before, while they were wandering in the wilderness, Jesus was the rock that followed them. God smote Jesus on the cross. Bam! And the water came out, the river of life. Hallelujah. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And now, praise God, we speak it with our mouth. God wanted to show them a type and a shadow that I'm going to strike the rock, but the next time all you got to do is speak the word. Amen. Moses messed up his analogy for him, so he said, look, you're not going in. Hello? So we speak the words now, amen? With the, the hyssop of our lips, our, our lips, the most important sacrifice of that day was the blood. And buddy, the priest would have to, after they did all their songs, they did all their offerings, he'd take the blood and he'd sprinkle it on everything and make it holy. Praise the Lord. Now, 
He's sprinkled on with a branch of hyssop, a branch with leaves dipped into the blood and sprinkled on everything. But now we apply the blood with the hyssop of our tongue. Satan comes against us. I speak the blood. Hallelujah. Satan can't cross the blood. He accuses me of wrongdoing, accuses me of sin, accuses me of this. I say, I just laugh. <laughs> Here's how I, I don't do a bunch of angry warring with the devil in prayer. I do this. <laughs> the blood. The blood. See, the blood washed my sin once and for all. Once I speak the blood, Satan can't keep accusing me of anything I've done wrong. The blood is against him. The blood washed me. Ha, ha, ha. I'm telling you, when, you get, when this stuff starts to be revealed to you, you'll get glad. You'll get gladder and gladder. Show our tooth. Praise the Lord. It just opens up. The gospel is the good news. So there they were. <coughs> and he's, Paul is writing this now to the Corinthians. And he's writing it to you. If your mind's wandering and shaking, slap yourself and wake up. He's writing it to you. Don't neglect it. It's important. He wants to show you something. He's saying, these folks were in the cloud. They went through the sea. They ate the same spiritual food in the same drink. They did all these things. Yet the Bible says God was not pleased with many of them. And they died in the desert. They didn't go in to the promised land. And now he's writing this as an example to us. God wants us to go in to the promised land and God wants us to walk it. God wants to take it. God wants us to enjoy his victory. Watch this. Let me show you. So they didn't go in and their bodies were scattered in the desert. Look that up in numbers. It'll tell you. Well, they sent some spies into the desert and they sent some spies from the desert into the promised land. And they came back and they said, it's beautiful. God, just like you said, it's a land flowing in milk and honey. But there's some big dudes in there. There's some enemies in there. There's some walled cities. And Joshua and Caleb, two of the spies, says, hey, we can. Hey, God has showed us his glory. He's walked us through the Red Sea. He's defeated the Egypt. Hey, we can do this. Let's go on God's word. Let's obey the Lord. He said to take it. Let's do it. And the rest of the crowd said, no way. They're too big. We can't. You know, we'll never break free of this addiction. We'll never get this stuff off our record. We'll never, you know, get our family back. We'll never do this. We'll never do this. I've got this disease from my addiction. I'm going to have this AIDS or this stuff all the rest of my life. I've got this, I've got this. Murmur, complain, whine, groan about the stuff from your past, stuff from your past. I don't believe I can make it. I don't believe God's good enough to get me in the promised land. I don't believe I can pass through. I don't really believe you, God. And 10 of them believed like that. Didn't believe in God. And the Bible says he was not pleased with many of them and they died in the wilderness. You know how many made it in out of those 2 million? 2 million people left Egypt. And it was God's will for all of them to go in the promised land. It was God's will for all of them to make it. You know how many made it out? Two million? Two. Joshua and Caleb. Not even Moses. He didn't go in. God told him to speak to the rock. And he wanted to crush it instead because he was mad. Now Moses is in heaven. I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about the victory that he has for us and everything. Only two made it. That's not a very good record. Okay? I'm telling you, judgment and law doesn't work, but there's a better way. 
there's a, there's a better way. Y'all want to see the mystery of the kingdom that Paul understood? That by the Holy Spirit, he's showing us that we won't be babes in Christ wandering in the wilderness, that we'll take our place in the promised land, hallelujah, as kings and priests in the kingdom of God, hallelujah, with all authority over heaven and earth has been given to Christ and has been given to us. Praise the Lord. Now, watch this. Let's just finish reading this. I have a little time here. Verse 6. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were as it was written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. That's at the foot of the mountain. This specific line is talking about them at the foot of the mountain when Moses was up receiving the law, 40 days, 40 nights. They began to turn, build a golden calf, try to go back to Egypt, and Moses came down, and they died, 3,000 of them. So don't be like that. God leads you out of Egypt, and now that you got a little freedom from Egypt, now you want to get back into pagan revelry and a bunch of crap not appreciating what God has done when he brought you out of Egypt? Bible saying, be warned. Don't do like that. Hello. Goes on to say, what else are you want to show us, Paul? Verse 8. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. Well, there it is in Corinthians 10. And you can um, go back and see that. That's uh, in Numbers 25. While they were wandering in that wilderness, they disobeyed God and took in women and people from other places that they weren't supposed to mingle with. Don't you know the Bible says, do not be joined with uh, someone from the world. If you've been born again in a new creation, you can be married to somebody that's in Christ. You don't join yourself to something of the world. So they got the Moabitess women and the Midianites and came into their camp and they had sex with them and intermingled. You know, and uh, the law killed them. The law said, if you do that, you shall die. Jesus hadn't come yet, so they had to die. 23,000 died that day. Folks, if God has taken you out of Egypt and brought you through the Red Sea and been feeding you daily manna, don't go quick back to your boyfriend and sleep with him that you're not married to. It's wrong. Why would you do that after God saved you? Get some premarital counseling. Let us talk to you. And get married. And do it right. And get married for life. After all this God's done for you, you're going to con- commit fornication, enjoying your spirit with someone else. The Bible says here, don't. Hey, look. You see what God has done? Don't do that. Ooh, it's quiet. <laughs> I'm not here for a popularity contest. I'm here to preach the gospel. Some say, well, I don't want to go there anymore. That'll be your choice. But I know what I got to do. God loves you. He loves you. He wants you in the promised land. Don't you know sex outside of marriage is short of the glory of God? He caused you all kind of trouble, all kind of problems. He wants you all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. I'm not focusing on your sin right now. I'm focusing on you falling short of God's best, the glory. I want you to have his best. That's why he's telling you don't do this. He's got the glory of the promised land for you. Don't fall short of it. 
He loves you. I'm not focusing on sin. I want you to have the glory. But that ain't glorious. It's messy and ugly and causes problems. And he loves you enough to tell you. Don't do it, he says. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did. How did they test? They were complaining about the food and the drink that God was raining down on them. As some of them did, and they were killed by snakes. God sent snakes in there. They started dying. God said, okay, you don't want to take a, take a snake, make it on a, put it up on a pole and look at it. When you look at it, you'll be healed. It's another picture of Christ becoming our sin. Hallelujah. That we might through him be saved from it. Amen. These are just quick little examples in chapter 10. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Wow. All of these. You know, that, that was, hey, what, what, the grumbling there that happened... You know, Korah and others that have complained about the leadership of Moses and Aaron. God said, okay, I'm going to separate them. And opened up the earth and swallowed them whole. And some of the people started complaining. Moses, your God killed our families. Your God did this. And they were whining and complaining. God said, okay, I've had enough of these folks, Moses. I'm going to kill them. Moses said, please don't. And man, the plague had already started. Death was happening. Moses and Aaron bowed down, interceded with God as a priest, interceding on behalf of the people for God. Jesus is our high priest now, interceding with God for us. Moses and Aaron bowed down, and Moses got a word from the Lord. said, Aaron, take your censer and go stand between the living and the dead. He got the censer. Hallelujah. He went and he stood. There was, oh, people are dying, dying, dying. He ran to where death was and where people were still living, and he stood here. Between the dead and the living, and the plague stopped. He stood in the gap, interceding between God and man. Jesus is in the gap, hallelujah. She stood between God and man, the living and the dead, that we who believe in him and look to him can be saved from death. And all the other things. Amen? So this one little paragraph in Corinthians 10 is showing us these things as an example. And it sounds like really bad news, but I got some good news coming, okay? This is going to be great. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. It's the power. These things happen to them as examples were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think yourself standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has ever seized you except that it's common to man. You can't say the devil made me do it or you don't understand my situation or all these problems. You know, you ought to understand I should be allowed to go sin or I, I, I should fall. You kind of understand why I'm falling. He's saying you don't have that excuse. None of your temptation is common, is, is, is uh, anything different than what's common to all men. And Jesus made a way for us to escape it all. By walking in him and letting him live through us. Now, real quick, we're going to get to this point. Go with me to Hebrews. And I'm going to close in Hebrews. Everybody okay? Yes. I'm going to get to the good news, the best part. 
of this all. Hebrews chapter 3. See to it, brothers, verse 12, that none of you... Now, he's talk, here in Hebrews, he's talking about the same thing from 1 Corinthians 10. He's just reiterating it. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily. It's not enough to come to church once, twice a month on Sunday. The world's out there wants to rip you up. Wants to bring you down with the Moabitess women. Wants to bring you down with the complaining and groaning. Wants to bring you down with all, all these things that happen that's common to man. The world wants to bring you down quick. And we need to encourage each other regularly, faithfully. Not once every twice a month. We need strength of each other. We need to plug in. We need to study the word. We need to go to it. We need this revelation of all he has for us open to us. But it only comes to those who want it, those who seek. The Holy Spirit will show you the power of the gospel in your life as you ask him and show him and study and look. He'll reveal it to you. Let's go on. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today with a capital T. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence just as it has been said. Now he's quoting. Today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now he's bringing them back to Corinthians and then back to the Old Testament. Don't harden your hearts like they did. But believe in God who is for you not against you. And now watch this. Okay. As they did in the rebellion. Verse 16. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all that Moses led out of Egypt? Did not all two million of them hear? And yet they rebelled? And with whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it not those who had sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom, here's the key, to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest? The promised land to um, dwell in houses you didn't build and eat from grapevines you didn't plant and just be blessed. Hallelujah. And I'm going to fight the battles for you and win of all the cities and give you the land that I created for you to enjoy. And it's going to be a blessing. All right. That you'll not enter this rest. If not to those who disobeyed. Okay, they disobeyed. But why did they disobey, church? Here's the key. Verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. Now, I've got the, 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 the news. They, you see, why didn't they obey when God said, go take the land? Well, there's giants there and there's problems. But God's word said, I'm giving you this land, go take it. So they didn't believe, so they didn't obey. When I see folks who aren't obeying, what do I want to do with them? I want to show the truth to them again so they can believe better. Because if you see it clearer, you'll believe it. The gospel is the power. So when I see folks struggling and not obeying, I got to show you the word. Because if you believe it, you'll see how good God is and you'll want to obey it. Amen? So we show, how do we get people free? from sin and bondage and struggle. We show them the gospel because it is the power unto God for all who 
believes it. Because if they believe it, they'll want to obey it. And if they believe it and start obeying it, they'll be walking in the victory in the promised land. Hallelujah. Now, the best news is this. And I'm going to just share it with you. They couldn't obey it as hard as they tried because the problem was inside. Jesus became our sin. He obeyed it all. He became our sin, died for us, defeated sin, this defeated sin and defeated death, all of it, rose from the grave. Now watch this, church. When you believed in Jesus, wow, you were joined. Oh, hear me. This is the most spiritual part. This is the end of the message. This is the part you got to get. This is the mystery that unlocks it. When you believe in Jesus, all that he obeyed and is blessed, for doing the will of God. God loves him. He did everything with the will of God. When you believe in him, he's your hero. And everything he did, he did for you. And everything he is, his righteousness, is given to you. Jesus has already won the battle. Jesus has already obeyed it all. Jesus has entered into the promised land already and is seated in the promised land, hallelujah, with the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the king now over it all. He's there, he's seated, and you who believe in him are in him, and you have already made it into the promised land in your spirit, man, right now now if you're struggling with things that are outside the promised land it's because your mind hasn't been renewed to the truth of what's in you spirit right now so it's a it's a it's a finished work Jesus finished the work and we enter into his rest the rest we're talking about God did the work in six days and on the seventh day he rested this rest he's talking about of the promised land. Jesus, praise the Lord, he fulfilled all the work. Hallelujah. He did it all. He accomplished it for us. And we who believe in him have entered his rest. We've entered that promised land. If you're struggling outwardly, that's not really who you are. Your spirit man is one with Christ. Your spirit man is operating in the kingdom principles. Your spirit man has all the blessings of the promised land in you already. You just have to renew your mind to the truth of what he has for you in your spirit but I have to keep teaching it because this is meat not milk and it's hard for us to fathom with our minds that stays plugged into the world's television and the world's Facebook and the world's this and the world's that. And we're always getting knocked around by groaning, complaining, whining, sexual immorality, this, this, this. We're bang, 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 all of this stuff. And we can't focus on what God has done in us because our mind is scattered with all the stuff of the world. That's why you don't have a television in your room. I want you to focus on one thing and have the victory. How much victory do you want? How much promised land do you want? How much of this do you want in your marriage? How much of this do you want with your children? How much of this promised land do you want in your business and all of this? Well, the way it's there, it's there to be revealed for whoever wants to seek, to turn aside a little while and seek what God has done.